So people assume uh, we are just going back uh, to the good old world which we had um, and everything will be normal again in how we are used to normal in the old fashion. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Now, when you see people and look at the films in China, South Korea, whatever, everybody's wearing a mask. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it, because people are listening really no. closely to them. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often, there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask, and they keep touching their face. The key to New York City, when you hear those words, I want you to imagine the notion that because someone's vaccinated, they can do all the amazing things that are available in this city. You can open the door, but if you're unvaccinated, unfortunately, you will not be able to participate in many things. That's the point we're trying to get across. It's time for people to see vaccination as literally necessary to living a good and full and healthy life. It will require vaccination for workers and customers in indoor dining, in indoor fitness facilities, indoor entertainment facilities. This is going to be a requirement. Welcome back to another episode of the Prepper Recon Podcast. Hey, Preppers and Patriots. I know it's been a while since you've heard from me, but I've been busy writing the next great novel and uh, trying to keep up with the homestead. Between work, family, and taking care of the homestead, I don't have as much time as I'd like for podcasting, but I had the honor of being on Prepping 2.0 with Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher recently, and I thought you'd like to hear the interview. So here it is. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, joined by my co-host on the show and co-host in life, Glenn Tate. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hey, you've probably read one of his 30 or so prepper fiction novels or listened to his Prepper Recon podcast. He's Mark Goodwood, and he is a keen observer of the current condition of America and where it's heading. He's been a guest on this show before, and listeners said they wanted to hear his updated thoughts on things. So here you have it. Kick back and prepare to get an enlightened preview of where this country is headed. This is the part of the show in which I randomly, spontaneously pick a sponsor superlative for the show. This is because... Shelby was mildly criticized for always saying our sponsors were great, and we decided to mix it up. I am I am churning up my memory. I'm going to say wonderful, which is Lawrence Welk. If you're old like me and you remember the show, he always used to say it's wonderful. So it's the word wonderful without the D. Okay. I mean, yeah, if you want to say it in English. It's like the word winner, but wonderful. Yes, wonderful. wonderful. Yes. <laughs> For those of us who really hated having to watch him while we waited for the the weekly Disney show. Uh, when on we Sunday nights. On Sunday nights. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, yes. All righty. 
I want to talk about our wonderful sponsor, mm. Pro One Water Filter. So excited. They are a new sponsor to us. Um, we finally got the video up and going. If you're a Patreon, you can see our unboxing of their awesome water filters. Is it a wonderful it's water a filter? It's a wonderful water filter. It really is. I encourage you to go over to our website at prepping2-0.com. Click on Friends and Affiliates. You'll find the link there. You'll also, if you go over and check out their products, they're not just, you know, your your stainless steel water filter sitting on your counter. They are shower heads, water heads, water filtration systems for your household. They pitchers. are pitchers. Mm-hmm. Very, very all-encompassing all water filtration systems. Encourage you to go check them out. And, uh, yeah. The other thing I want to let you know about is we still have awesome hoodies. It's still cold, and it's going to be cold for a long time. And it's a great way to start 2023 with style, wearing a hoodie that says, I miss America, because we do. Because you can be one of the cool kids and have a sweatshirt that is instantly guaranteed to start conversations with people, conversations that are amazing. We also have hats that are that very popular flex fit that have the same iconic uh, logo on them. So I encourage you to check it out, prepping2-0.com. Click on Shop. Reason of the week to be a Patriot. Well, if you're a Patriot and you're listening to this episode in mid-January 2023, you, on or about January 1st, 2023, received a Dropbox link that had all four years of the past episodes of this show, including the after shows. Quite a neat thing. You can listen to old episodes very conveniently, plus you have it. You don't need to rely on the Internet to listen to the show. Um, and we sent them out based on the Patreon rolls as of January 1st. So if you sign up now, if you haven't already, you will get five years worth of past episodes at the end of 2023. Well, let's get into it. I would like to introduce my friend and fellow prepper author and podcaster, Mark Goodwin. He's written 30 or so prepper fiction novels. They're really good, by the way. And he is the host of the Prepper Recon podcast. He is going to tell us about the current economic and societal condition in this country. Welcome, Mark Goodwin. Glenn Shelby, thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm uh, really looking forward to uh, the show today. And and we know that you're a listener of the show, so you know how some of this goes. So we yes. don't have to explain things like, uh, like segment breaks to you. Um, open-ended question, because I think it's what people want to hear from you. Tell us where you think the U.S. is at and where it's going. Well, I think uh, I think 2023 could be the year that the dollar's chickens finally come home to roost. Um, you know, the Fed, they've been uh, wholeheartedly trying to destroy our currency. It's kind of like that gorilla in the old uh, 80s luggage commercial, but the darn thing just won't break. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that, that our currency is doing as well as it is, but I think it's just kind of that it's the cleanest, dirty shirt because everything else is sort of weighted against the dollar, and and that's that's propping us up. But but man, uh, I, I'm sure I'm sure prepping 2.0 listeners are already aware of the paper that the Levy Economics Institute of Baird College put out. They filed a, a FOIA request to find out who got how much back in the 2008 bailouts. Uh, best estimates range from like 3.5 trillion to I think Bloomberg. I think they had seven trillion. Um, do you want to take a wild guess at what the actual total was? Um, surprise us. Twenty nine trillion. Oh my goodness! So you know, and that's uh, made up money. It's made up money. Exist. It is. 
And so, wow, the, what happens when you make up twenty-seven trillion dollars? And this is just the two thousand eight uh, bailouts. That's kind of just child's play. It's a warm-up for what happened with COVID. Uh huh. Well, the Fed's claiming that the current M three money supply, which that's all the short term, uh, short term CDs, anything under two years, all the the money that people have in their checking account, savings account, uh, cash under the mattress. The, the 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 pallets of uh, hundred dollar bills that were dropped in Af- Afghanistan and Iraq to to pay off uh, warlords and and all of that kind of thing um, is supposedly only twenty two trillion so something ain't hmm. right you know uh, wow and 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 like you said that's not all covidmoneytracker.org is showing another ten trillion added to the supply since the Wuhan flu outbreak. And that's the official numbers derived from government sources. So what's the real number? Because, you know, if we thought the real number for for uh, the 2008 bailout was $3.5 trillion, and it turned out to be 29 and they're telling us it's 10 then then what's the real number? It's probably more than 10 So So what is, what's the real M3? Simple math: uh, twenty-nine trillion from from the bailouts plus plus the ten trillion from COVID the, from the official numbers that we get from COVID Money Tracker. That's thirty-nine. M um, three before two thousand eight was uh, was seven trillion. So add that; that's forty-six. So it has to be at least forty-six trillion. So at least double what they're claiming, and that's probably that's probably the tip of the iceberg. And and you know and even if M three was really twenty two trillion, that's bad enough. It was five trillion in twenty twenty two, so that's a four hundred percent increase in twenty years. So how can the Fed say they're targeting two percent inflation and keep a straight face? And uh, you know, and yeah. l- l- let's talk inflation. June CPI number nine point one percent. Of course, if you believe that, you pro- you probably believe elections are fair. Uh, the CDC doesn't fund gain-of-function research. The jab is safe and effective, and uh, FTX is a safe place to put your money. If we used 1980 CPI metrics, June's print would have been 17%. You know who had 17% inflation in 1922? The Weimar. Why, yeah. Uh-huh. And then by 1924, two years later, they were counting inflation in the billions. This will be a great place to pause, and Shelby can make it a note. Yeah, because we need to get out of that doom. Well, we can't. We're in the doom and gloom. But I wanted to <laughs> let people know about our wonderful, wonderful sponsors, Forever Forward Apparel. You can find them at foreverforwardapparel.com. Or better yet, all of our friends and affiliates, all of our sponsors, you can find at our website at prepping2-0.com. Click on Friends and Affiliates. They're all there. Forever Apparel, Forever Forward Apparel is there, and you can find some of the great um, things that they sell along with uh, Prepping 2.0 exclusive um, merch. Jared Savick, you can find him at redstate-realtors.com. Um, he'll help you find a great prepping property in Montana. Katie Armour, come and take it. It is uh, Armour for the Average Joe Guy. Backwoods Home Magazine. We're going to do a show on them. Yes, too. we are. Oh, my gosh. Can't wait. Awesome, awesome resource. Numana uh, Bulk Freeze-Dried Foods for your Preps Minuteman Coffee. You know I've been drinking a lot of it this morning. 
Paul Burke. He's an Idaho realtor that helps first responders and preppers find awesome properties in Idaho. You can find him at firstresponserealty.com, powered by Fathom Realty. Gibbs Arms, love them. We had them on as a guest mm-hmm. recently. In studio. Yeah, very, very cool. Again, you can find all of these folks at prepping2-0.com under friends and affiliates. All right, let's go back to talking about all the good things happening with inflation. And um, one thing I wanted you know, to mention, Mark. The wonderful inflation news. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. One thing I wanted you to mention uh, to listeners who may be a little bit new to economics, um, and it's implied in what you were saying, but I'd like you to say it directly. What's the relationship between printing tens of trillions of dollars and inflation? How does all that excess money turn into higher food prices? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain this like I explain it to my five-year-old daughter. and She's really sharp, and, and she reads Tuttle Twins and all of that kind of stuff. So she's, uh, she's uh, maybe a little bit further along than the average five-year-old as far as her understanding of economics. But let's say you have a, a very simple economy. In this simple economy, you have 10 pizzas, and you have 10 $1 bills. Then the price of a pizza, if all else being equal, is going to be one dollar. Is that right? Yep. So now let's say the Fed prints another ten dollars. So now you you're, you have the same amount of goods and services in this simple economy. You still have the same ten pizzas, but now you got twenty dollars. So now each pizza cost two dollars. Right, two dollars. Two dollars, says Shelby. And this $2. is not the lightning round. This is just the regular part of the show. <laughs> I'm this glad my, I had to carry this the, the one. Econo- this is my economics lightning round right here. So, <laughs> so, so inflation just went up by 100%. It just doubled. And, and the price of, of, of the goods and services in that economy doubled. So that's a really super overly simplified economy. And we've got a lot of other things going on, like velocity of, of money that – you know, when people just kind of hoard their cash and it doesn't get spent, then the prices don't go up quite that fast. And when there's a lot of demand for the for the currency, prices don't go up that fast. But when you get in a cycle like you had in Weimar Republic in Germany, where people know that their $10 right now will buy a loaf of bread and tomorrow it's going to buy a half a loaf of bread, they're going to go spend that money really fast. And then the baker... They're going to buy that. They're going to buy that loaf of bread, and the baker he knows that 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 the flour is going to go up tomorrow, so he spends the money really fast, and then the uh, the the flour wholesaler spends the money really fast um, to buy uh, maybe grain to to grind, and then and then from the farmer, and then the farmer spends that money really fast, and you get velocity of money, and that can make that can make the prices go up even even faster because one dollar at that point. Because we just had from from the uh, the customer to the baker to the wholesaler to the farmer, it just did the work of four dollars in a single day because everybody's scared that it's going to lose that it's going to lose value, and you start getting around fifteen percent inflation, and everybody knows it's not nine point one. Everybody everybody can feel it. They go to the grocery store, and and eggs are seven or eight dollars for organic eggs. And, uh, and 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 everything else on the shelf is just um, up twenty to fifty percent, and they know that it it doesn't matter 
Um, if you're peeing on my head, it, I know it's not raining, you, whether you tell me that or not. It's just I, I know what it is. I know what's going on. And, and people just feel it. They see, the, they see it, and they feel the pinch in their pocketbook. So we could really quickly get into that kind of a, a scenario where people are trying to dishoard all the cash that they've saved up because they know that it's going to be worthless tomorrow. And an a ex- example of that, based question, on... Did I answer question, or did I answer another yes, question? Yes, you did. You, you answered it very well. And an example of what you're talking about, about the velocity of money, is something that happened to Shelby and I, and it happened to virtually everyone else listening. In the summer of 2022, um, we were building you know, greenhouse and uh, irrigation system and a bunch of other stuff and a, a chicken coop. We were told by the people building these things that if we paid for it in late 2021, it, it would be thousands of dollars less than the price would be in the summer. So we went and we spent a bunch of money early, and there was some urgency to it, which is the velocity of money you know, scenario. There was some urgency to it, and we spent a bunch of money. We locked in lower prices, and it turned out to be great for us. But that's uh, an example of a small-scale velocity of money situation. We were talking about prices going up significantly over several months' time. When it is hyperinflation, those prices go up over several hours of time, and it completely messes up everybody's planning. I mean, you, you, if you don't have the money saved and the money is, is deteriorating in value, um, then you can't just go out and you know pay a, less for a greenhouse, but it's going to cost more later. It completely upends everybody's expectations in normal rhythm of economic life. Did I summarize that correctly? That was that was uh, very very eloquent. It was it was wonderful. Oh, thank you so much. That's the highest praise you can uh, bestow. I feel pressure. <laughs> can we get that word in more now? The game is on. Here we go. <laughs> so so that's inflation. And talk about if you would the social and political effects of inflation specifically. And we live out here in rural Montana. I know because I hang out with regular people (laughs) because I don't like elites. I mean, I've known people for for months, and then they go, they finally ask, what do you do? And I say, I'm a lawyer. And they go, no way. And I say, you just gave me the greatest compliment you could possibly give me, is I don't act like a lawyer. But, I mean, so hanging out with regular people, when this inflation is going on, what effect does that have on society, on attitudes, on people's um, desire for the government to bail them out, people's anger, anxiety. Talk about the societal effects that inflation has. Oh, man, I just watched this great film. Um, it, was a, it was a documentary. It's called Cuba and the Cameraman. Did, have you seen that? No. Oh, my goodness. It's great. And, it, and it's, 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 a, it's a really good um, uh, example of, of of what happens uh, before I and, and there's some great lessons in that in that documentary. Before I get into that, though, can I would I be boring everybody if if I went back to inflation because I talked about the supply no. side? Oh, I, please I do. That's the other the half of inflation, right? There's a demand there's, side there's, and a supply. Side. There's supply. There's supply for money and there's demand for money, just like there is you know supply for uh, lumber or pizzas or anything else. There's supply and demand for it. And and you know, so let's say you've got a current headline rate of uh of fifteen percent if we're using uh nineteen eighty metrics, but how can you even keep inflation there 
if you're quadrupling the money supply over 20 years? Well, one one way is that you you create some artificial demand for your currency. And the way you might want to do that is you could send Henry Kissinger over to, oh, I don't know, let's say Saudi Arabia, and have him cut a deal that, that, that says OPEC will only settle oil contracts exclusively in U.S. dollars. And, and you know what? That scam has, uh, has kept things pretty stable since the 70s. However, the, Saudi, the Saudis, they're, they're growing weary of that deal, and they're being heavily courted by the BRICS nations. And uh, the BRICS nations, that's Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, and they've kind of got their own little sort of uh, G5 kind of thing going between them. And then, you know, if they bring in uh, the Saudis, it'll be known as like BRICS+. Plus. Um, and, uh, and, and they're talking about, you know, de-dollarization and how they can just, they can, they can get around the dollar. Um, prior to the Ukrainian conflict, no one dared settle oil contracts at anything other, other than U.S. dollars. Well, that's not entirely true. Uh, Gaddafi, I think he tried to sell oil for gold and Saddam uh, attempted to settle oil for euros. Uh, but those decisions greatly reduced the life expectancy of those two gentlemen. And, <laughs> and, uh, but, but what do you do when the guy challenging the petrodollar has hypersonic nuclear missiles? Now it's mm -hmm. not quite so easy. And since 2022, China's bought oil from Russia in RMB, which is their currency, and India, they've been purchasing Russian oil with, uh, with the currency of the, the UAE, United Arab Emirates. And, uh, and, you know, and then the Russian banks, they were excluded from SWIFT, so they've developed their own international currency transfer system. And, and all of this is decreasing the demand for the dollar. And so now, you know, we had those, the, the, the 10 pizzas and $20. Well, what we didn't know is the federal government had also printed another $20 that was overseas. It wasn't even in our economy. But now there's no demand for it over there. So it's going to start coming back home. Just like we said before, the chicken's coming home to roost, and that's what the dollars are going to do. Is they're going to come back, and now all of a sudden we're going to see another 100% jump in the price of uh, goods and services. And explain how the demand for dollars falling off costs us more money. And I think it has to do with how bonds are issued. And, and this is not complicated, especially when Mark is explaining it. So demand for dollars, what happens when the U.S. Treasury needs to re-up these trillions of dollars of debt? That is to say they need to sell bonds, which is to say they need to borrow money. What happens to the price well, they're not <laughs> that they be have able to, to pay people? Well, they're not going to be able to. They're not going to be able to to do it at at one percent interest anymore, or point five percent interest for a thirty year bond. You know, now now it's going to be six seven percent. I mean, and 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 the the Fed understands this, and they're they're willing to drive the car over the cliff uh, to fight inflation and 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 hike the rates up, and they understand they have to do that, and that's what they're doing, and that's that's part of what's happening to so many of the other global currencies that are just kind of uh, dumpster fires right now is... Yeah, and I've seen figures that, that say things like if you have the U.S. Treasury bonds selling for 6%, that means that almost your entire federal budget goes to paying off the interest because we have 
trillions of dollars of interest. Think about you're, you're refinancing your house. Mm-hmm. The difference between a half a percent on a few hundred thousand dollars versus six percent, you'd say, wow, those payments just jumped up crazy and I can't afford to service the debt. I can't afford the cash flow. I can't afford the monthly payments. When you're talking about trillions of dollars, you're talking about billions of dollars more in interest. And pretty soon, the spending we provide to the Defense Department is used for just the increase of a couple percentage points in the interest rate that the federal government has to pay to keep this debt scheme, this Ponzi scheme going. Yeah, if 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 all if all else being equal, and all the treasuries were uh, were were seven percent, and that's what we had to pay um, when they matured. Um, and let's say they all, you know, obviously you've got thirty year five-year, ten-year, two-year, and all of that, so they're not going to all come due at the same time. But if they did, and they were all at 7%, we'd be paying $2.17 uh, trillion dollars annually just to service the debt, just interest on the debt. And that's way more than the Defense Department. They don't even crack a trillion a year. So you've got... Well, Defense if you get all the black box spending and all of that, that's probably... Yeah, that's true. Than, than, than a trillion. There's a lot of, there's a lot of. It's kind, it's kind of like the, uh, it's kind of like the 2008 bailout. You know, we're we're just looking at the tip of the iceberg when we see those those official numbers. And then all of a sudden, if you've got no federal money because it's all going to interest, because it's all going to higher interest, now those more. EBT cards can't be funded. And then when we come back on the other side of the segment. We're going to talk about the societal effects of inflation, and cutting off EBT cards would be one of them. Oh, yeah. someone should write a book about that. Mm-hmm. I be- think the three of us have. I think the three, I, that's a storyline in one of my books. I can tell you that right now. So, folks, don't go away. Join us on the other side of the break for more from Mark Goodwin. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for rejoining us. We're just getting started with a wonderful Wonderful conversation with Mark Goodwin. Stick around for the after show if you're a Patreon supporter. It's <laughs> I'm predicting right now it's going to be pretty hilarious. I'm just going to put it out there. With the lightning round? Absolutely. You're going to hear more, including the hilarity from the lightning round of random questions of Mark Goodwin. But we want to go back into something. Well, I wanted to mention first, you all of a sudden, the lights go out, and they don't come back on. And you think, oh, this must be a localized power outage. So you do what Shelby and I did one time when this happened to us, based on a true story. Went to the truck and uh, listened to the AM or FM radio stations, figuring that if this were a large area-scaled outage, that AM and FM stations would not be up. Sure enough, by the way, we heard an AM and FM station, so we knew it was localized. But let's say you go and you listen to your AM or FM station, and uh, it's all you hear is static. Then you realize, oh my goodness, there's been an EMP. Well, you won't sweat it because you were wise enough to get an EMP shield that protected your electrical system. Think of the relief. Now, you still got problems ahead of you, like gangs. Oh, my goodness, what a perfect segue into the next thing I'd like to tell you about, which is the archive episode of the week. This is where we go back, for, especially for new listeners, and remind them about older episodes that we have, all of which are available at prepping2-0.com. Episode 34 was gangs in the collapse and whether law enforcement will follow unconstitutional orders. And our guest was a law enforcement officer who uh, worked on gang units and actually interviewed gang members about what their plans are for the collapse. And it is chilling. Let's just say the gangs are better prepared than most 
most regular people, right? And that aired June 12, 2019. So go back, if you would, and listen to episode 34, Gangs in the Collapse and Whether Law Enforcement Will Follow Unconstitutional Orders. Well, Mark, you've, you've given us so much good information about inflation. You've broken it down with the pizzas and everything like that. So what's the next step in the order of effects? You've got inflation, you've got high prices, you've got the federal government with a lot less money than it can spend. What are the societal effects of all of that? And, and what do we need to prepare for when it comes to these societal effects? Well, this is going to be a tectonic shift, Glenn, Shelby. Um, we're really going to feel it. And I'm not talking about $8 eggs and $5 gas. This is going to be unlike anything you can imagine, um, even after reading all of your great books and Shelby's great books and and and, and mine as well. And your great books. <laughs> My wonderful books. And, uh, <laughs> well done, sir. <laughs> and... Uh, and we've never heard the Fed using language like they've used over the past six months. They're talking about softer labor markets. That means people need to lose their jobs. People need to be unemployed. They're talking about households will be filled with pain. That's talking about people losing their house. That's talking about people uh, making choices between uh, between uh, putting the, the thermostat on, on, on 60 in the winter or on, on 50 and just bundling up with, uh, with long johns and extra sweaters so they can still afford to, to put gas in the car and buy groceries. Um, Aldi's, which is a discount grocery store, we're already starting to see this. Um, they're, uh, you know, it's one of those places where you got to bring your own sack and bag your own groceries. And its largest growing consumer base are households making 100 k and up. So 100 k used wow. to be the threshold for a comfortable lifestyle. Now it's the new barely making it. I, I was talking about the, uh, the documentary I watched Cuba and the cameraman, and it's a guy, and he started going to Cuba back in the 60s, and he'd go back every five to ten years, and he'd check in on these same uh, groups of people. And one of the groups that 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 uh, that he would check in on uh, was 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 these farmers, and it was four siblings. It was three brothers and a sister, and uh, and then uh, also the, the 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 filmmaker. He's a he's a Castro sycophant, but you know, the, even his bias can't can't cover up the joys of communism that come bubbling up from the murk, you know. Uh, and, and so these, these three brothers and the sister, at the beginning, right after the revolution, you know, they were just, they were so hopeful, and they, they were just, you know, viva la revolution, and they were out on government land just clearing, clearing rocks just, just, just to be nice people, and you know, and they thought the government was going to be putting in running water and electricity for their farm, and then over the years, you you see reality setting in as this guy keeps going back and interviewing them, and you know, and they're not getting the the health care they need, and 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 their teeth are all falling out because you know the the, the free dental service is there, um, you know, <laughs> turns out yeah, it's free, but uh, you know. Get what you pay for. You get what you pay for sometimes, and uh, and and so then the the people start running out of money, and in the stores, you know, they've got all they've got is uh, is like rice and sugar, and and everybody's getting like uh, ration tickets. You're getting like one one little bun of bread per day, and and all of that, and so people start coming to their farm and stealing their animals, and then as we get to the end. They've, they've stolen all their animals. Uh, he goes back one year, and they've got one ox left, and they're trying to, like, still 
plow the, the fields and everything with the one ox, and they still have no running water, still have no electricity. And then he comes back like five years later, and the, the last ox was, was killed and, and, and taken by, uh, by uh, looters. And so now they're just sitting there, and they're just they're just starving. The only thing they've got left is growling be- bellies, you know, rib bones sticking out, uh, sunken eyes, and, and and the wolf knocking at the door, you know, and 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 that's it. So I mean, a lot of people were thinking about, all right, when it gets bad, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna grow my own food and produce my own food. But I was talking to Shelby before the show, and and she's talking about, you know, you. Your, the eggs are coming out of the chicken, and 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 five ten seconds later, in that that flash freeze uh, environment that you guys had, uh, you know they're they're busted because because they're they're freezing almost as soon as they come out. It, it's it's tough to produce your own food, and even if you can, like these people in in in, uh, in Cuba, you got to be able to secure it. They weren't able to secure their property. They don't have they didn't have uh, Second Amendment rights. And then, and then, what if it's a, what if it's a, a, a ten-year-old little girl that comes to, to, to steal your food? You know, you're gonna shoot her. You can't shoot a, a ten-year-old, you know. But are you gonna be able to, to provide for her? And if you, if you give it to her and she takes it somewhere, she's gonna tell everybody else where she got it, and then they're gonna come back. And, uh, you know, so it's, it, it's, it's a lot tougher than anything any of us have imagined, even in our books. You know, there's, there's stuff that we just, you know, our psyches just don't even want to deal with in fiction. And, uh, and, and it, it's going to be rough. And, and I think that, that that socialist utopia is, is what they've got planned for America. And I think, um, I think that's where we're headed. Well, here's a question for you. And, and I, generally agree with what you're saying. I think that things will be marginally better in red areas, especially rural areas. I'm not saying 100% paradise. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying marginally better because I view, and Shelby and I having come from Washington State, uh, the Seattle area in particular, we've seen how awful blue states can be. And now that we're in rural Montana, we can see the difference very clearly. Now, and it's it's quite all right if you disagree with me. I mean, quite a few of my friends do disagree with me, so, I mean, I'm a big boy. I can take it. But do you think life will be at least marginally better in red areas, especially rural areas where people, for example, have chicken coops? Oh, absolutely. If you're away from, if you're not near one of the big uh, metropolitan cesspools, liberal cesspools, um, if, if you're not, you know, 10, 15 minutes outside of uh, Atlanta or Seattle or L.A. or somewhere like that, you know, you're going to you're going to fare so much better. Um, those places, you know, a lot of those places are already just in, in complete collapse. I watched another documentary on on Flint, Michigan, and, uh, you know, they went from having a, a police force of, of 300 to down to 90. And so this is a, a big city that's, you know, they had they had all the, the poison water issues out there where they, they tried to switch the, the, the pipes and all of the lead broke loose from the old pipes and got in the water system and all of that. Um, but you know, it's, it's a, it's, they've, they've had decades of Democrats and you know, it was a, it was a prosperous town and the, the, uh, the unions and the Democrats just ruined it and turned it into a third world country. And, and now the most, the most police cars they have on the road at a time is nine. 
and this is a this is a city that has uh you know one or two uh homicides a night on a weekend night they'll have you know on a weekend they might have four or five homicides and and you know they were showing a police a police officer going up and knocking on a door to respond to a call a home invasion call and the guy comes out and he's got stitches in his head he's like I've already been to the hospital and got sewn up and you know that was 48 hours ago I called that was 2 days ago I called you guys you're just now showing up one person shows up with a clipboard 2 days after my home invasion somebody ran in my house split me in my head uh sent me to the hospital and stole all my stuff <laughs> and it's 2 days later and you're coming by just to fill out the paperwork and uh and so and, and in LA there's 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 uh you know CVSs and Walmarts and Targets uh, and uh, and Walgreens and all those kind of stores, they're just they're just closing up shop and saying we're not we're just not going to do business in this town because you've got a, a liberal uh, district attorney that won't prosecute property crimes under a thousand dollars. So so people will come in and they'll steal nine hundred ninety nine dollars worth of stuff, run out the door. And come back an hour later and still another nine hundred ninety nine dollars. You know that's not sustainable for any business to be able to take those kind of losses. Well, and let me add this: the stories that I've heard coming, especially out of San Francisco, like literally people come in the store with a bag, like a garbage bag. I've and, seen the videos. And yeah, and they just start shoveling merchandise into like the bag Santa Claus, and walk out the store. And they don't even run, Mark. And and you mentioned run out the store. I know what you were talking about. They are so unafraid of, number one, the police coming, number two, getting prosecuted, that they saunter out the door. It's almost as if they give the clerk some kind of smirky grin, like, what you going to do about it? Yeah. And then these stores also then turn around and, and have to pay, if they want to, if they decide to, high-priced security guards that really can do nothing. And it's worse than that because prices go up of all the all the supplies in these places. Everybody's paying a shoplifting tax, basically. And I've seen pictures from a Target store in Seattle, near where I used to live, by the way, so I'm very familiar with the place. It used to be wonderful in the early 90s. And now, almost all the merchandise is behind locked glass cabinets to prevent the shoplifting. So what does that require Target to do? Hire a bunch of people, and when you want um, some Tide dishwashing detergent, you have to go to the front desk, and somebody has to come with a key and unlock it, which is a huge cost. And you know that that Tide is like $12, you know, instead of what it ought to be, like $4 or something like that. So everyone is paying this tax because nobody wants to enforce the law. There are all these ramifications. Yeah, and uh, Gateway Pundit, they had, a, they had an article saying Chicago and Philly are now more dangerous than... Afghanistan or Iraq. A soldier who served during the uh, the, the desert conflicts had approximately a two percent chance of getting shot. If you visit yeah. certain neighborhoods in Chicago, your odds of being killed are six percent, three hundred percent more dangerous than a combat uh, soldier. In wow. And these are and everything we're talking about. All these ramifications are directly attributable to left-wing policies. There's no randomness here. Not, not a, well, I want to switch gears here just a little bit but because the the list of maladies... Uh, That's that a are, great word. ...that are coming our way. It's, it's a wonderful word. It is. <laughs> so, 
So coming our way, I, we we know as preppers, we know, and and we like knowing this information because it prepares us. We know we will act accordingly to the future. So Mark, you are a prepper. I know that, and you're a homesteader. Mm-hmm. So what can, what would you suggest? Give us an action plan. What do people need to think about and look forward to and prepare for in 2023? Well, I think that I think that thanks to the the seven percent uh, mortgage rates that that could very easily get to eight percent, I think we're going to see a a property value correction. I don't know if it's going to be a crash because I don't think we have the inventory that we had in two thousand and eight, and I don't think we. Uh, although I think you're going to see a lot of people get upside down on their loans, which means that you you owe more on your house. You know, if you bought it for three hundred fifty thousand dollars. And you put fifty thousand down, and so you've got a three hundred thousand dollar mortgage, and now the house goes down to two hundred thousand. Um, are you gonna are you gonna pay off a hundred thousand dollars worth of value that you don't even have? So a lot of people may do the jingle keys where they just put the, the keys in the mailbox and walk away because um, now they're paying more than the, the house is worth. So you, we could get some of that, but I don't think it's going to be quite the wave we saw in two thousand eight. But I think we'll see a correction. You know, we could see maybe a 10, 20% correction. And I think right now, at the beginning of the year, is a good time to start laying out your budget plan, cutting out all unnecessary spending, um, and, and start thinking about where you would like to have as a bug-out location. Or if you, you work in a maybe a city that's not quite so blue, um, at maybe if you could, if you could just commute uh, 20 or 30 minutes and you can get outside of the city, to a little bit more rural place where you can get a couple of acres and, and have some chickens and rabbits and bees and, and uh, fruit trees and a little garden and that kind of thing. It's about, you know, just, just as much buffer as you can put between you and all of the chaos that we're, that we're talking about um, because it's already here. It's, this is not something, this isn't a, a speculative book that, that, that Glenn or Shelby wrote or myself uh, anymore. This is, this is happening right now. Um, Los Angeles is Los Angeles is in complete and total collapse. Chicago is in complete and total collapse. Flint, Michigan is in complete and total collapse. These places are uninhabitable. Uh, the stores are closing up. You're pretty much you're pretty soon not going to be able to get goods and services in those towns because people just they can't do business there. You can't do business in a place where people are allowed to steal from you. And these things don't these pe- these things don't start there. Uh, these things don't stop there. They start there, and like uh, like malignant cancers, they spread throughout the rest of the country. All of the the drag drag te- drag queen story time and all of that, you know, it started in the far left cities, but now it's mainstream middle America to have uh, uh, perverts and uh, pedophiles uh, reading stories in public libraries to little children. So, As far as it going mainstream in non-blue areas, I saw a news story this week. The mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee, not exactly what we would think of as a bastion of blue. No. He, he went to a drag queen story hour, did a big thing, and he's being criticized for it. Knoxville, Tennessee is having drag queen story hours, and the mayor is attending. So being in a red area doesn't protect you wholly from all of this stuff. But let me tell you, where we live in Montana, there's not going to be any drag queen story hour. And to um, uh, amplify 
on what you said about being away, the buffer zone. We had uh, a guest, I'm sure you know him, Matt Bracken, uh, enemies foreign and domestic author, great guy. And I asked him once, what are the three top things people should consider in their prepping plan? What are the three most important items? And I hadn't rehearsed it with him because we don't rehearse on this show, as everyone can tell. And so I didn't know what he'd say. I assumed it'd be like food, water, firearms. And he he said the most chilling thing, and it's really stuck with me. He said the three most important things, location, location, location. And I think that sums up exactly what you're saying, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So just get as far away from those places as you can. You know, I understand you've got family. Um, people have spouses that that just ain't having it. They don't want to do it, and they're not going to move. Uh, and, and sometimes you just, you gotta, you gotta do what you can and don't do what you can't, you know, and don't, don't say, because I can't do everything, I'm not going to do anything. You know, exactly. just do your best and then trust God with the rest. Exactly. That's, that's the message of this show. We don't expect perfection. Shelby and I don't live the perfect prepper and homesteading life. We are, we're very open with describing some of our mistakes and failures because people can learn from it. And I never want anyone listening to this show to assume that they have to have this perfection standard. I, as I'm fond of saying, somebody that has just a little bit extra food and maybe a handgun, they are light years ahead of 90% of the population. And so, you know, play the hand you're dealt, but play it well, because the most important thing in preparedness, first of all, is a relationship with God. Let's be honest. That's the most important thing. The second most important thing it's having the mindset that understands bad things can happen and that you can do some things to ameliorate some of the badness, but you're not going to get rid of all the badness. Too many Americans live in this perfection bubble where everything has to be perfect. I mean, we have to have like the perfect weight and the perfect car and the perfect home, and we have to have all this perfect, perfect lawn. We have to have all this perfection. And it is completely unnatural. Nobody else in the world lives this way because I think people in the rest of the world are a lot smarter than we are. They understand that you can't have perfection. Well said. Wonderful. Absolutely. Wonderfully said. Wonderful. So we only have just about, oh gosh, maybe three, two and a half more minutes. So if, if someone's new to prepping, let's throw that out there. Someone's new to prepping, they, they've... They're coming around the corner, and they, they're looking at 2023 going, I got to do something. Oh, my God. My New Year's resolution is to do something. Oh, I got to do something. Where would, where would you t- advise for them to start, Mark? On PrepperRecon.com, this is a little bit shameless plug, but it's a free resource. At the very top of the page of PrepperRecon.com, there's a, a banner that you can click, and it says, Get the free PDF 7-Step Survival Plan. And it actually takes you through the seven steps of getting prepared, and it's and everything's been prioritized out so that you can. It's kind of uh, you know you you just kind of take the baby steps to getting a little bit more prepared each day, and it keeps you from trying to do everything at once, and so you don't get over overwhelmed. And as Glenn as Glenn pointed out, the first step in that process is getting your relationship with Jesus, because. Everything we do for preparedness is duct tape on a on a uh, seventy two Pinto. You know that thing is going in the dra- going in the junkyard sooner or later, and you know ten out of ten people die. And when that happens, you're going to meet your creator, 
and uh, you don't want to be caught off guard for that. So uh, we go through that and how to handle that first. And then from there, we start looking at, um, you know, getting getting in shape because, you know, if you can't get off the couch, um, you're not you're not going to make it. You know, if you can't if you can't walk a, a quarter mile without getting winded, then then. You know, this is going to be this is going to be a very challenging situation for you, and then we start looking at finances because, you know, if you go into a uh, 2023 turns out to be the beginning of some you know five or ten year depression, um, you don't want to have a mountain of debt going into that. You want to get all of that taken care of, and then we start looking at all the 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 sexy stuff, the beans, the bullets, the band aids, and and all of that, and uh, and finally the the bug out. Um, bug out location and uh and that help people guide people through the whole process um and i wrote this thing maybe eight years ago and despite everything that's happened it's it's it, i look at it and i say this is still if i was going to write this today i would still write it exactly the same because the principles and the foundation doesn't change even though the circumstances do and so that's the seven step survival plan, and you get that at prepperrecon.com. You just click the, the banner on the top of the page, fill out the little form, and it'll be emailed straight to your your uh, email box. Excellent. And that's information people can use. And that's what we're all about on this show is giving people information they can use and motivation and letting them know you don't have to do it all in one fell swoop because it can't all be done in one fell swoop. And all of that, yes. And so, um, tell us again what that website was. PrepperRecon.com. And people can find out about your books there, and they can also find out about your podcast there. Is that yeah, correct? they sure can. Uh, I don't do a whole lot of podcasts. I might do one or two a year uh, right now, but I've got, but I used to do uh, one a week um, back in the day, and Glenn was a, a regular uh, guest there, hmm. one of the most wonderful guests that we ever had on proper refund <laughs> and uh and so you can go back and, and go to the archives page and you can go back and listen to all of that stuff going all the way back to uh 2013 i think was when glenn was first on the show so and we have about a minute can you just give folks an overview of the names of the titles of some of your book series so they can search for you they can look at you on amazon under mark goodwin but sure, yeah. what are some of just just rattle off some of the titles of the series. Uh, my last series, it, it kind of dealt with uh, the whole COVID thing, the lockdowns, and 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 what I think that's all about. And I think it's about a depopulation agenda. And I go through all of that, and that was called American Wasteland. And so that was a three book series. Um, I'm a I'm a big uh, I'm a big prophecy buff. You know, end time stuff. Sort of uh, left behind meets the Walking Dead, and and. Hmm. And that series started with Beginning of Sorrows, and uh, book one of that's called Cabal. And it, it also looks at uh, um, what I think is an agenda. I don't think all of this stuff that we're seeing in the Blue Cities is, is a mistake. And, Mark, we have to unceremoniously cut you off for our hard break for our radio station. Shelby, take it out. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail from Benjamin Franklin. Everyone have a great week and join us in the after show.